amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And uh, because next month we're going to be doing all horror games for uh, October, we aren't going to really be able to do this episode when I kind of wanted to. Metroid Dread is coming out next month, and uh, mm -hmm. while we're not going to cover Metroid Dread directly, as it is a naughty retro game, uh, we are going to look at one of the, the Metroid games that's kind of hard to get your hands on right now, Metroid Zero Mission, originally released for the Game Boy Advance. But before we get to that, Billy, what have you been playing since our last show? Oh boy, what have I been playing? Um, a, a fuck ton of Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, I have a a fisherman now that is, I believe, to be level forty five. Um, I'm, I'm casting my line out there. I, I in, the, in the main story, I think I'm still at like level sixteen or something like that. And that was only because I had to, um, so I could get to another area so I could fish more. Um. But no, it's 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 been enjoyable so far. Uh, I've just been loving that that whole part of it. And other than that, I have oh lord, I, and we don't really need to talk about it anymore on here. You guys kind of did that. I've uh, been playing Psychonauts too. I'm really fucking loving that. Um, I hell am enjoying it, and, and I I like the original. Uh, I'm enjoying this one a lot more than that first one. Um, and you know, I, I'm touching on that here and there in old news. Um, I spent most of last year playing through Hades and absolutely loving that game. Well, I've come to report, um, that when it comes to the game Hades, as of maybe a day or two ago, there is nothing left for me to do. Uh, I've, God damn. I've done it all. I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've done it all. Um, I I think there are like a, a, a couple of maybe um, achievements left I could get, but as far as like things in the game I need to do and things like that, I, it's it's all wrapped up, and uh, I'm I'm moving on. And so I mean that's about it. But it, it's been mainly me trying to focus on finishing up Psychonauts two, but you know finding myself fucking video game fishing. Well, I have not played any Hades. Everyone keeps telling me I need to, but I haven't. But I did say I, I, I have been playing a lot of Psychonauts 2, and I am also at the point where I've basically done everything I need to do. I've collected everything. I'm missing like six figments total in the game, and I cannot mm. find them. I'm going to watch a video of each level just to get them, but they're well hidden, or they're one of those ones Oof. like when I see where they are, I'm going to be like, oh, it's literally right at the start, and it looks like a blade of grass, and I missed it. So see, I've, I, I've got I've to make myself not... Um, worry about getting all the figments. Uh, I, I, whew, I think my enjoyment for the game would would quickly diminish and turn into madness at that point. So I'm trying not to focus on on getting absolutely all of them. Well, you can't get them all at first. You have to wait until you get all your powers, and you have to go back to some of the mm -hmm. earlier levels. There's no way to get all of them uh, or all the collectibles yeah. until later in the game. But I don't mind that. I didn't mind it at all. But I've gone through the, the like three levels I have stuff on now like a hundred times, and it's driving yeah. me crazy. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, I think it was well, well worth playing. Way better than the original. Uh, like a, a, be yeah. a, a better made game. There's nothing as frustrating as like Meat Circus in the entirety of Psychonauts 2. I said no, last time no. that I, I thought it might be my game of the year. And, it, and you know, I have to see what happens with Metroid Dread. But otherwise, it has easily been the game no. that I bought this year that I've enjoyed the most. <laughs> Hands down. We'll see how Metroid does. Uh, but uh, the other thing I've been playing is after the last couple episodes, or maybe it was three episodes ago, we got some listener mail about the Kid Icarus series where we mistakenly thought they meant that Kid Icarus for the 3DS 
was like the best Kid Icarus game. And then he, he actually wrote back to clarify and said, no, no, he just meant like Kid Icarus, which you can buy on yeah, the 3DS, you, but it's the original yeah, is, you, uh, is you awesome. Don't, you don't want that. You don't want that attached to your name. That, that, that hot of a take. Well, I, I had to try it. I had to find out. Uh, so I, I have bought Kid Icarus Uprising for the 3DS. Now, I, I bought it digitally, oh, so I don't have the stand. Originally, that game came with like a stand to put your 3DS on because they realized that holding it makes your hands hurt, which is 100% true. Playing this game this way, you have to like hold it with your left hand so you're flying around with a D-pad, but also using the L trigger to fire everything. And then you have to use the the, the touchpad and draw on it with the stylus to know where you're aiming in some of the levels. It, it's very uncomfortable. So I can only play like mm. maybe two levels at a time. Uh, that said, I, it's actually not bad. It's nothing at all like Kid Icarus. It's a lot more like, like Panzer Dragoon really more than, than Kid Icarus. It still isn't even really like that. It's, it's that kind of, it's a rails shooter, but instead of moving around with a, a mouse or a thumbstick, you're, you're moving around the stylus to determine where you fight, and then you're actually moving Pit around the screen so he can avoid bullets, but otherwise, and it's it's explained in the story why, but you're you're flying on a set path, and you're just basically moving Pit around the screen, like like an old Sega CD game. Uh, that said, it's 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 pretty mm-hmm. good, and if you like Kid Icarus, it, it touches base on everything that's happened in the previous two games. It has all the, the bosses coming back. There's a lot of enemies, like the first time you run into the... Uh, the, the, the Reaper enemies, that which in the original game walk back and forth, and if they see you call like these babies, they do the same in this one. Uh, but when they do, they at the bottom of the screen, they have a lot of conversation between uh, Pit and Palutena, the, the goddess, and they're like, oh, you mean these guys? And then like, it shows the original 8-bit graphic of the, uh, <laughs> of the guys when you get to mm-hmm. them. So there's all these little things I liked a lot. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun. Do I recommend it? I don't know. I, I'm, you know... I, I've been on the record saying that I think Kid Icarus is the second best NES game of all time, so I, I have to feel like I have to try it. This is pretty good. It's nowhere near as good oh as the original Kid Icarus, but it is it is still worth trying out, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm only eight levels in, though, and I think there's something like 35 levels, so we'll see how far I get before I scream out in pain uh, that it hurts my wrist. But either way, it's been a nice break from playing Psychonauts, and of course the game we're going to talk about today. But Jeremy, what have you been playing? Besides Psychonauts 2, I haven't had a ton of time to really play much of anything. I, that's the game that I'm really... Uh, just to right now and if i find a few minutes to play uh especially on the weekends that's that's what i load up it's just it's so good we've all mentioned it's just great um but the the game that i played today i think is a game that we all love to hate to play and that is the nintendo direct game uh that was a uh i did you guys get to watch this at all? I watched uh, it live, but I think it was targeted specifically at guys my age who are me. Because, like, everything on there I was super excited about. And I was like, yeah, only you would care about this, Jeremy. And I did, 100%. Uh, well, specifically, I just want to see what you guys thought of the the new uh, virtual console offerings. You got to... You get the uh, Nintendo 64 and the Genesis, but I believe now you got to pay more for, for Nintendo's online deal. Yeah, they haven't said how much it's going to be. So mm-hmm. keeping mm-hmm. in mind that right now the annual fee is something like, what, 20 bucks for their online service? I, I don't have too much of a concern, even if they double that. Even if they say, hey, it's 40 bucks a year. Okay. I mean, I'm paying yeah. so much more for PS4 and Xbox. Uh, but what they're adding with it, aside from it just having there, is you can play online with people on the N64. So... That's kind of a neat ability. No. If I can play, you know, Star Fox 64 with some people online, will I do that more than once? Probably not, but it's nice that I can. I wish they would just lean yeah. on that more. Like, that that whole service just... I would pay more money if they would just offer more. Like, the Nintendo 64 yeah. and the Genesis is a good start, but, like, we saw how they just kind of, you know, petered out with the NES and Super NES. 
you know, what weird, obscure games are we going to get on, on the Nintendo 64 and the Genesis? Mm. Well, they um, showed both. They showed the listings yeah. of both games. Now, you had to, you know, get a picture of it, and, and I did because I have nothing else going on in my life. The Genesis games, overall, not exciting. They're basically everything that was on the Mini. Not everything, but all the games on there are on the Mini. Um, with the exception of maybe one or two that are not. But everything else was stuff that was straight off the mini. You know, you got Contra Hardcore, you've got uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, you've got Sonics, you, you know, all the games you'd expect to find on those two. Uh, but it's still only like, I think, 12 games, 13 games. The yeah. N64 games, now again, I have an N64 and I have some of these games. And the ones I don't have, I'm not super jazzed about. But the ones it's starting with, it's only nine games that they've said will be out at launch for it. Now, maybe they'll add to it, but there's at least nine they've promised. Mario 64 and Zelda Ocarina of Time. Great. Wonderful games, but I already have them. Now, that said, I don't fault them putting it on there because if you're going to play on 64 games and you've never played those, you've got to start with those. Even though I don't like Mario 64, I admit that it's an amazing, at the, for the time, an amazing game. Then you have Mario Kart 64, which is fine, but I don't know if I'd want to play it. Uh, compared to playing Mario Kart 8, but that's okay. Star Fox 64, Mario Tennis, Dr. Mario 64, Yoshi's Story, the original Sin and Punishment, which didn't come out in this country, so that's kind of a nice touch. But then the one that I think is going to sell consoles for them. This is going to be like a, a, a huge like lockdown. And we mentioned this on our episode about Siphon Filter, Winback. Winback is on there. So if you want to yeah, play so uh, the N64's version of uh, Siphon Filter, you're, you're in luck. Hmm. Why, I mean, if you're rolling out the multi, why wouldn't you put goddamn Goldeneye on there? Uh, well, and they and are going to have know, rare I games, mean, which I didn't know if they would be able to get those games, but they, they already listed that coming yeah. afterwards they're going to have Banjo. So they are working with rare, at least for some of those games. I watched a thing not too long ago that was basically saying, why didn't the Goldeneye remake come out that was made for Xbox Live Arcade or whatever? Because it's hmm. finished. You can actually go, if you've got a, a developer's account or something like that, you can go on that mm -hmm. portal and download that game and play the entire thing. It's done. But the uh, whoever owns the James Bond lives, wh whoever's in charge of that stuff, like the movies and stuff, I can't remember their name, but they own it and they're just like, no, no, you can't do that. They will not mm. let anyone touch 007 Golden for some reason. Uh, they have asked several times or, or Microsoft has asked several times. Nintendo has asked, asked several times. And every single time, they have been denied by whatever whoever owns the James Bond license. And it's crazy. They're just like, nobody cares about that anymore. Nobody wants it. Stop asking. So it is, it's not on Nintendo or, or Microsoft. It is whoever owns that license. Uh, do you guys, I don't, and maybe it's because we have access to these older, I, it just, I feel like we're at that point in time that when a, you know, when a, like, take the Sega Genesis offerings, for instance, how how many times have these fucking games popped up? Like, how many how many methods are there right now, besides an actual Sega Genesis, to play these goddamn games? I, I I just feel like it's just you know they keep going to the well on the same games, and I, and the sixty four games don't excite me. I mean, a lot because a lot of the games on there. And it's the thing with Nintendo; it's like uh, they do have nostalgic value but i mean if you put out an old mario party ooh, i'm gonna go play a more recent one probably over that um you put out cart 64 as much as i loved it after i play it a time or two I'm, I'm gonna be back on eight or i'm gonna be back on double dash you know um smash brothers 64 i mean oh god I, you almost it, it, that's one of the few that you almost can't go back to um uh, uh, most of these games don't have 
a lot of value beyond playing one or two more times and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Now I'm going to play the, you know, the, the, the modern version. Of it. And, you know, Zelda, if they put out Ocarina of Time, they put out Majora's Mask, how many more, how many other times have we fucking played these? And I love them and I go back and play them every year, but I don't need another method to do it. I, you know, I, I'm just a, a bitter old man and, I don't know what would make me happy other than if they put WrestleMania 2000 and no mercy on there with, you know, with a little four player. Oh, with a little multiplayer on it. Yeah. Hell. But yeah. I, I'm sure. Yeah. Fucking put it out there. Put out goddamn San Francisco rush also while you're at Fuck it. Yes. But no, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the same shit. You played a billion times and you know, it's going to be the same Genesis games that you could go to any GameStop, close your eyes, fucking, point in any direction and there's a best of that has it on there oh they better not charge too fucking much but i've gotten to where i've eaten enough damn crow talking shit about nintendo that i'm not going to say too much more yeah we can't say too much because usually we're we can't say too much a a few months later we're like yeah we got that and then they add like a ton of other shit to it or something but i i still feel vindicated feeling not so great about that super nes and nes library i mean it's there and they got the top the top games on there but there's just so few for the most part. And yeah. it, 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 it never lived up to what I wanted it to be. Uh, I wanted the old virtual console on the Wii. You know, not everything, but I wanted it updated like that. You know, that was always mm. fun to go to the virtual console and see the new releases. And oh, it, yeah. It just it never worked out on the Switch. And it got to the point where they were releasing like three games a year, maybe. Or mm. it. So I, I don't I, we'll see what they do with this. I, you know, it's cool that they're adding it, but like you said, there's so many other things that you could already get these on. I was like, oh man, Bloodline, but I already own the Konami collection, the Castlevania Konami collection on the Switch and the PS4. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I there's just these little things that I already own on everything else. The Nintendo 64 stuff is cool, but I don't have a lot of nostalgia for the 64. So I, I know there's a lot of people that do. You cannot sleep on Nintendo 64 nostalgia, but... Uh, it, that system was just never, never my thing. So, yeah, it's cool. The new Kirby looks awesome, by the way. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw that. Yeah, I, um, I did. And and I'm I'm sure that uh, we will mark this episode and we'll come back to it six months from now. We all talk about we love the N64 library, like you guys said. It's a guarantee. Oh, yeah. Every time we yeah, talk, problem. I'm sure it, it's going to happen. Ever since I started playing Mario 64 again, I haven't touched eight one bit. <laughs> well. One of the other things that was on this Direct was, of course, footage of the upcoming game, Metroid Dread. So we're going to go and talk about the remake of the original Metroid, Metroid Zero Mission, for the Game Boy Advance. Last time we covered uh, a Metroid, I think it was a hand. Was I? Am I not mistaken? It was a handheld one. Also. We did Fusion uh, as a bonus episode okay, a few yeah. months ago, and I believe I said I had not played any of the handheld games. Um, that that was a miss, unintentional 
Mistruth. I have played this one previously, um, not at the time it came out, but much later on. Uh, um, I completely forgot about it. Uh, I, I think I would have remembered if you said it was the game where a, a beloved Nintendo franchise character um, you find out is absolutely fucking worthless if they don't have their giant suit of armor to wear around. I actually, I played this when it came out because I had just bought a Game Boy Micro, if anybody ooh, remembers that. Ooh, yes. I love that little system. It was incredibly hard to see, but, you know, that was back at the time where it was like, let's make everything as small as possible, <laughs> even if it doesn't mm -hmm. really work very well. Uh, but, yeah, I love that little system, and I the very first game that I got for it was uh, Zero Mission, and played it a lot. This was actually my first uh, real Metroid game besides Super Metroid that I was just really into. Uh, I was never really into the original Metroid on the NES. I was young. I didn't quite understand it. It was weird. It, you know, everything was just like, ah, I just, I'd rather be playing a, you know, Mario gamer. This isn't for me. But by the time, uh, after Super Metroid and, and this one, I was firmly in, into the, you know, just play any Metroid game that comes out because it's obviously, obviously going to be great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to compare the original Metroid to this remake and, and why they may have done this. But uh, just in case for some reason you, you aren't a, a patron member, you didn't listen to our Metroid Fusion episode where we kind of went through the history of Metroid, I'll just cover it real quick. The original Metroid came out in the NES in 1986 in Japan and 87 in the U.S. Uh, this was kind of an, this and Kid Icarus came out around the same time. They had the silver boxes. Uh, as opposed to the regular black NES boxes or the you know third party that were whatever they wanted to be, and I for whatever reason, I guess because they had the same color box and the same you know same developer same look to them, I've always kind of tied those two games together. But when that game came out, I mean I played tons of both of those games, a lot of Metroid. So when I hear complaints about the original Metroid, I was like, what well, what are you talking about? But that's because. You know, I was a, a 10 year old, uh, 11 year old who just sat around all day and had time to hand draw maps and figure out where to go. Uh, the original Metroid, compared to everything else in the series, gave you the least amount of direction as to what to do. You're kind of just plopped in this dungeon and it's like, yeah, go figure it out. And uh, and so uh, I love that first Metroid, but I, I can see why there are some complaints about it. So the first Metroid was on the NES. The second Metroid uh, came out for the Game Boy uh, a few years later in 1991 uh, in the U.S. and 92 in Japan. This time it was out in the U.S. earlier, was Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Now, mm. I don't know if you can easily find that Game Boy version, but the 3DS game, Samus Returns, that came out in 2017, is effectively the full remake of the second game. Uh, with nicer graphics, some new gameplay, and ties to the, the Metroid mythos, which were not in the original game, uh, which is kind of what they do mm -hmm. with this as well. Uh, Super Metroid, as we mentioned, we've covered it, what, three years ago maybe? Uh, came out in 1994 for the Super Nintendo. It is easily, like, if you're talking about 2D Metroids, and we'll see how, how Metroid Dread does, but it's kind of like the, the benchmark solid Metroid experience. It still has enough of the exploration and figure it out that the original Metroid had, but it does tell you what to do. It gives you a map. It makes it easy to figure out where to go. Uh, within reason. Uh, then after that, in 2002, Metroid Prime, the first 3D Metroid, came out uh, for the GameCube, and that was kind of like the rebirth of Metroid as far as as the mythos and everything. They added this this new race of like bird people, ancient bird people, the Chozo, that gave Samus the suit and these powers. That's where she finds them all from. Up until then, they hadn't really explained anything about the suit other than you figure it was just a suit with powers you get because it's a video game why does it matter uh, so starting with metroid prime they built this whole like backstory explaining who the chozo were and and you know that they gave samus her suit whatever so metroid fusion that came out uh the same year you know we covered again on that bonus episode a couple months ago is 
a 2D Metroid again instead of being 3D. It plays a lot like Super Metroid, but it's on a Game Boy Advance. It's got a really solid engine. Uh, unlike even Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion started this thing that some of the later Metroids did where it basically tells you exactly where to go. You find some maps. It says you can go to certain areas. Mm. It, it really gives you kind of a pointer as to where to go the whole time. I didn't mind that, but I, at first it was like, oh, where's the exploration I expect from Metroid? Uh, that said, as we talked about in that episode, it, it does redeem itself, and it was very exciting. So after Metroid Fusion, in 2004, they said, we need to redo Metroid, but we want to redo it and have it look better, kind of take advantage of what people want out of a game, like a map system and some other things. So they took the Metroid Fusion engine and remade the first game. Now, they didn't make a straight remake. It's not the original game with the new graphics later onto it. It is based on that previous game. It kind of has the same map. They've added a lot to it, and I don't think it's 100% one for one. But if you played the original Metroid, and then you didn't play anything else, and then you played Metroid Zero Mission, it would feel very much the same, but then they add in all this backstory, uh, you know, explaining a little more about Samus and what her mission is. And then they add a whole other area at the very end of the game where it gets more into the Chozo and where Samus gets her power suit that we're all used to seeing and things like that. So it was nice that it tied everything back together with, you know, what the, the mythos they created later on so that if you wanted to play, you know, I guess the, the official Metroid canon, right, this would be part of it now. However, and much like we explained in Metroid Fusion episode, this game and Metroid Fusion are only available if you have a Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Micro that, uh, that Jeremy mentioned earlier and find the carts, which are very expensive, or on the Wii U Virtual Console, uh, which still is available as of right now, although they are going to take it down at some point, you can still buy both of these games for something like 10 bucks a piece. They're very cheap for what they are, and they're well worth getting if you like Metroid at all. Uh, but let's get specifically into Zero Mission. So it's 2004 this game has come out. And, I mean, even from the get-go, there's cinematics in it. I mean, there are Game Boy cinematics, but still, there's little cinematic screens. It gives you a little more backstory. And then it does start you, essentially, at the exact same spot that the original game starts. You start that little elevator that goes to, assuming the surface, which you can't take up immediately. And you mm -hmm. have to go to the left to find the Morph Ball. I mean, it's it's. I love the fact that it's yeah. basically the same layout. And if you know where to go, it's even easier. But if not, there's a, f a few things you notice, like, right from the get-go that are huge improvements. Yeah, the, overall, this is a, a massive improvement you know, over what was there before. I, When I was playing this for the first time back then, I was wishing you know, that the way this one was designed was more like how it was designed on the NES. Of course, that couldn't be possible back then. But this one just, you know, even though it does take a lot of the uh, same maps and things like that, it does kind of squish them down into something that is more manageable. Uh, the original Metroid on the NES... The maps, they were insane. I mean, there were just there were times where you would just jump for fucking ever. It just felt like you were going for miles up and down. This one, it kind of condenses a lot of that to make things a lot more manageable, uh, and and just uh, it's easier to get around overall. That by by itself is the best thing about this game, uh, or the best change anyway, in my my opinion. It just makes the original Metroid so much more easy to deal with i guess <laughs> and and the original metroid yeah. unless you know exactly how to go with a speed run or something like that it is not an easy to get around game uh it is very easy to just kind of get lost not know where you're going like oh god i just fell down this goddamn giant hallway that went down fucking three miles and now i gotta work my way back up by slowly shooting at the freeze beam at these little things that goes back and forth for the next 10 minutes and if you miss then you're right back down to the bottom uh, this it takes a lot of that away. Doesn't take it all, but it takes most of it away. 
to where you are dealing with a much more manageable, much more streamlined version of that first game. And to me, that that made the difference in actually being able to enjoy and really appreciate mm. what the original NES Metroid was trying to do. Um, I, I agree in full. Um, I, I really appreciate it uh, very much so because I, I like Metroid games. I really do. I, I enjoy games from the series, but they are not games that I actively <laughs> sit down and play a lot um, just because they, 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 they toe the line with me between being uh, just a, a ton of fun and being a little bit of a chore. Uh, they they really fucking tow it sometimes. Um, so this really helped out a lot in that department. Uh, not only did it streamline it, but I, one thing I noticed immediately was this one moves. Ooh, a little bit faster. Um, this one moved, I, you know, it felt like even when you were running, you know, even when you're going your full speed, you were able to go in that original Metroid. I, I, you weren't really getting it. it. It feels, the movement in this one feels a lot faster. Um, just, just, you know, traversing left and right. And the jump, and I, yeah, everything about it just, you know, and it, I mean, it's it's more advanced technology. Even though you're, it's, you know, handheld, you got more advanced technology than the NES. And it, 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 they really did a good job with that, um, of not only streamlining the, the layout of the game and how you get around and things like that, but just the movement in it. Uh, I immediately uh, was, was taken back to this one, and I, I remember back when I first played it, that's one of the things I really appreciated. It felt like the first Metroid I played, um, even though at, at, as much as I love Super Metroid, this is the first Metroid I played um, that, that didn't really have that, that kind of chore factor to it at all. Well, like you said, this is the fusion engine. This is that game, mm -hmm. basically. But they've, they've kind of, you know, made it better and, you know, just put mm -hmm. a bunch of, put the original Metroid skin on top of it. And yeah. that's all you really needed to do. And that, that's what you... I know there's a lot of people that don't actually like this. Uh, there's too many liberties taken. It is not a one-to-one -one well, remake. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're you know, we're dealing, with, we're dealing with a fan base that, you know, doesn't like most of the games in well, the franchise. Sure. But want more and are going to be really confused when they don't buy the next one. Why they don't get another one until they're 80 years old. But regardless of that, let's keep going. Well, uh, the complaints I'd say about the original Metroid, if, if you didn't grow up with it and, and, you know, that were things that needed to be fixed in this. So in general, if you've never played a Metroid game, it is a 2D side-scrolling game, but it's not just side-scrolling. There are levels that, uh, it's, it's a series of corridors. Some of them are uh, vertical corridors as well as being horizontal corridors. It is a kind of a giant maze. And so in the original NES game, there's no way to really tell where you are unless you're writing down on paper where you're going to go. Now, we've already discussed many times, I'm the guy that did that, loved it. There's also a map of most of the game in the official Nintendo Player's Guide, uh, or as Jeremy called it before, how the poor kids got Nintendo. That said always wanted that book and I did buy one later because I love it because all the maps in there are awesome so it has a full map in there too but you know that's not what you get out of the box so if you're a kid that draws your maps out the original Metroid you could kind of do what this game does automatically because in Zero Mission they give you from the get-go a map which is wonderful like it builds as you go it's in the game you pause this you know, hit the pause screen there's a map as ever you've gone is laid out if there are doors that you need to open. So in a Metroidvania style game, which I guess we just call Metroids in this case, in a Metroid game, uh, like for example, you get to a doorway and 
If it's a regular blue doorway, your regular shot will open it. Great. If it's a red doorway, you need to use missiles. And if you don't have the missiles yet, then that's how you know you can't go any farther in that direction until you find missiles at some point, then you come back to it. So in the original Metroid, you could not, unless you were, again, writing down on paper where everything was, and I'm stopped here because it's a red door, you better take some really good notes, because otherwise you're not going to remember exactly where everything is. In Zero Mission, they took all that away from you. The game maps it out for you. When you finally get to a place where there's a door you can open because it's red, it's marked on your map. You're good to go. That's, I mean, yes, the game moves a little better, like like Billy said, and yes, it does condense the areas. I would say your character is probably twice as big compared to the the landscape as, as in the original game. I played the original Metroid again today for a little bit just to kind of refresh myself on the game. Because in my mind, it's way different than the actual game. And I was blown away at how small Samus is compared to how big the world around her is. And in Zero Mission, that's not the case. In Zero Mission, you feel more like they're tighter tunnels. In the original game, I felt like there were times you're like running through airplane hangars, shooting <laughs> shooting enemies uh, as far as size goes. This feels much more like you're a person running through caves that are maybe three or four times taller than you as opposed to being a, a giant echoing cavern uh, that enemies are in. So... It plays better. The game is condensed a little bit, but still follows more or less the same maps and the same beats of the game, but they added more to it. Uh, The other thing is, I didn't remember that Samus cannot, in the original Metroid, duck and shoot, or shoot in any direction other than left, right, and up. You can't do anything else. If there's enemies that are shorter than your regular bullet, and you have to duck to shoot them, you can't. You had to basically jump around till they got to a place that was higher than you so you could fire at them or never kill them. I mean, uh, with, with the regular weapons. Uh, in this game, this takes the Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion uh, kind of skill. You can duck and fire. You can also fire diagonally, and you can jump and fire down. Like the, It gives you eight directions of fire in this Metroid compared to the original, like only three directions you could in the original Metroid. So between having a map Having the game look more condensed and, and make more sense, giving you uh, the ability to fire in eight directions and actually duck and fire, and the fact that your map will also, in, in these areas uh, as you explore, you won't just find the map as you uncover it. There are map stations. So if you go to an area and you find the map station, it will fill in that whole area for you, with the exception of a few hidden areas. But it will tell you basically, here's where you are, and here's the objective you need to get to. And it'll mark on your map like a little glowing circle, so you know exactly, roughly, where to get to. Even if you haven't uncovered it, and it's just a hidden, a, a, a glowing circle out in the middle of the nether, you know at least, hey, I'm in the right spot. I see there are some doors that must connect to that general area. I am at least in the right place. Because in the original Metroid, if you didn't know what you were doing, there was a lot of backtracking, and if you didn't know that, you'd never get through the game. I remember even as as I was older and was able to look up online where maps and stuff were, I would still get stuck playing the original Metroid because I wouldn't remember how to get back to, you know, kind of the start of the game where you can find the exit that takes you to the very end of the game once you've beaten the mini-bosses. I couldn't remember where it was. And in this game, it lays it all out for you, it's mapped out very well, and you can just push start to see that. It, that's wonderful. I, you know, just to talk real quick about that NES Player's Guide Metroid map, as a kid, <laughs> before I actually got to play it, I remember looking at that map and being, you know, it's it's sprawls. It's spread across several pages in that guide. Uh, an amazing map um, that they've they've managed to, to piece together. But as a kid, I was like, ah, I'm beat this game. I know how to beat it because I'm just going to go here. I'm going to go here. I just got to go over here. There's a boss there. I, none of that obviously worked because you have to have certain things to get there. I was I was expecting to skip half of the game because the map showed how where Mother Brain was. And it, that's just not how it was when you're actually playing the game. Also, when I actually did play the game, I had no idea. It was just, it like I said, 
sprawling. Uh, this one, this one, I, I see why there's the complaints about this. And I know the Metroid, like Billy mentioned, the Metroid fan base is very vocal about how their, their games are represented. And I think a, even back then, when this game came out, too many people expected this to be a one-to-one remake of Metroid on the NES. And I remember seeing specifically on GameFAQs, the forums, someone mm-hmm. call out the fact that you, that Metroid or uh, Samus could now shoot in all the directions and not just the old. And they were just like, this ruins it for me. Like, this absolutely no. ruins it. That person and is I wrong. Just, I, yes, I was, I, you know, I didn't really reply to forums back then, but I was just like, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. That's just, you know, I guess if you want to be a purist and have a, a complete remake, but that, that's not what this game is. It was never advertised no. to be that. It has zero mission in it. It's more of a, uh, you know, God, what would you even call this? It, it's a, like a reimagining. Reimagining, yes, of mm-hmm. the original mm-hmm. Metroid with a lot more added in. There is one section in this game that I do not enjoy. I think they went a little bit too far in adding. But for the most part, I think it is an amazing reimagining of that. And I, I just never understood why people were so crazy about the little changes that they did to make this a really great Game Boy Advance Metroid. I think the section you're talking about we're going to discuss, because it's at the end of the game. Am I incorrect when I say that? Yes. Okay. Yes, you are. Uh, or I am correct. Um, so if up until the very end of the game, so up until the point where you fight Mother Brain, uh, who's the main boss of, of the original Metroid, and, and defeat her, um, or it, I guess. I think it's a her, though. Um, it's basically well, the she, same. She had, she had lipstick on in the cartoon. Yeah, in the cartoon, it's definitely a Mother Brain. Yeah. I guess with the word Mother, you yeah. assume, too. Um, but anyway, so... It, it, up until you defeat Mother Brain, it's essentially, and I know it's not one for one, the map is slightly different. They did add new areas and some new things, uh, like new secret areas that give you some, um, some upgrades that you're not quite sure what they are. But, but basically, it follows the same beats as the original game. You get certain items that open certain doors, and then you'll get certain weapons like the freeze beam that lets you freeze enemies and use them as kind of platforms to jump to higher levels. You get a high jump so you can jump to some of those areas without needing to freeze things. Um, The original game had 10 power-ups. In the manual for the original game, I verified that just to make sure I wasn't forgetting things because it's been a long time. But the original game had 10 power-ups that were listed. You have the... uh, the, the ball ability to roll up, which you get from the very beginning of the game, when you go left from the very start, you get the morph ball. Let you, let's Samus turn in from a regular person into a ball half the size and roll into small areas. Uh, there's the long beam that shoots all the way across the beam, the, the screen, because at first you only shoot maybe like a quarter of the way across the screen with your fire. Uh, an ice beam that freezes enemies. The bomb, which when you are a ball and rolled up, you can shoot the bomb instead of uh, firing a bullet because you can't fire. You'll drop little bombs instead, uh, which hurt enemies and also kind of boost your ball up uh, like an explosion. Uh, there's a high jump, like I mentioned. The various suit, which is how you go into areas that are filled with uh, dangerous chemicals or fire in this game. Uh, the wave beam, which would fly through enemies doing a bunch of damage. Energy tanks, which gives you more health, uh, like permanently increasing the size of your health, not just refilling your health. Uh, missiles that you can you know, use as weapons, but also they will open specific doors. And the screw attack, which even in the original Metroid I hated, which you'll run and jump and she'll do like the spin thing and it does a lot of damage things in the air, but it also means that if you're supposed to be using, for example, the ice beam to make platforms and you have the screw attack, sometimes you'll just burst right through those platforms and, and destroy your platform. But that's okay. I got around that, but there's only 10 items in the original game. In this game, they added uh, eight more. So there's also the charge beam that was in Super Metroid and I know it was in Fusion, where you'd hold down your attack button and slowly the power would build up in her, like, 
you know, arm gun, and it would shoot off like a much bigger beam that did more damage. Some bosses were only hurt by that. Uh, power bombs, which you would find later on, that would mean when you shoot the bomb as a ball, it would instead it would drop like a much like larger looking flashing bomb that would then do damage to the entire screen. Uh, again, certain bosses needed, but it also would would kind of clear out certain hidden areas. Uh, power grip, which I thought was really cool. I don't think that was in any other Metroid. Once you got the power grip, you would jump, and if you're just able to touch the side of a platform, but you could kind of touch the top, uh, Samus will then grab the side, and then you can lift yourself over. So instead of having a high jump, it's almost like getting a grapple like you would in most um, of these kind of games at this point. A speed booster, which was in the previous, uh, not not the original Metroid, but in Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion. I hate this ability. You have to run so far, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Samus goes faster and flashes and will burst through certain walls only in that speed mode uh, I don't really like it because there's always either not enough room to do it or when there is it's so clear like that's exactly what they want you to do they give you like a big flat area you can tell it's supposed to be for speed boost I just thought it was kind of a wasted ability and then super missiles which were in Super Metroid and Metroid Prime uh, and Metroid Fusion which do five times the amount of damage as regular missiles but there are certain doors that are green that only open with super missiles that was never in the original game so they added all this stuff that was in uh, Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion back to this game to kind of make it a little more difficult to get around, but also more obvious. Like, if you know, hey, wait, there's a bunch of green doors here. Once I get the super missile, now I know this is the right area. And when you find the map station, it actually highlights that area, too. Like, yeah, this is where you need to be, and so now it's even more obvious. Go through those doors you couldn't open before in back in this area, and that's how you get to the bosses. Uh, there are only two mini-bosses in the original game until you get to Mother Brain. There's Ridley and Kraid. Uh, Ridley's been in basically every single Metroid. Kraid is in most of them. But uh, in this game... There's a few other kind of, they aren't as big or as important as those two bosses, but there are some other like larger fights in this game. There's like a centipede monster that comes through uh, several times. You have to fight several times uh, along with Ridley and Kraid and, and Kraid himself. So in the original game, Kraid is tiny. Kraid is about a little bit bigger than, than Samus and kind of just mm-hmm. hops back and forth on this little platform uh, and shoots missiles out of his stomach, but nothing too, too crazy. In this game, it's more like the Super Metroid version of Kraid where he, he He's like three screens high, and he, he shoots missiles out of his stomach that you have to use his platforms to jump at him in the head. It's a much more involved boss. It's, it's a lot more interesting than the original Metroid bosses. That was the thing when I went back and played those today. The, the bosses up until Mother Brain in the original Metroid are... They're only hard because they're tank and spanks. Like, you have to sit there and just make sure you have enough damage or enough missiles and stuff to last enough damage to kill them, but they aren't very involved. This instead actually has them feel like actual bosses from a video game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yet another improvement. I really enjoyed um, the boss battles on this one. Yeah, I, 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 it uh, it makes a world of difference that these bosses are so imposing on here. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And, and one of the things from the original Metroid um, was that the bosses were kind of, I mean, <sighs> I can't even remember. I can't think back then to think maybe if they were impressive then. Uh, but I mean, you had other games like Contra with it. With Big ass bosses on there, and I, I just remember the Metroid ones just kind of being okay. I mean, that's just, the designs are kind of cool, uh, but these definitely um, are have a, a lot more of an ominous feel to them, and, and it, it definitely it makes it seem um, like a lot more of a mismatch in this one. I, it's 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 yet another yet another improvement. I feel. I don't think there's too many people that could actually say besides besides Mother Brain in the original Metroid. Any yeah. of those bosses were very good. I mean, at least Mother Brain was sizable. It was a fun fight. You had to kind of, you were just, mm-hmm. you know, dumping missiles into her, but you still had to dodge the lasers and on all this stuff. Yeah. And that was pretty exciting for a last boss. 
But the rest of them, they were just like these little buddies. You know, you run into a room and here's Craig. You're just like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? And you just got to, like Jeremy said, you just got to have enough energy and, and missiles to pump into them. That's not really a boss fight. Like, this game actually gives you mini bosses. It gives you the full boss fights that you get from Super Metroid. That was amazing. Uh, you know, Craig, even on Game Boy Advance, was very impressive at the time. And just everything was was really ratcheted up to what you would expect a Metroid boss to be. And I, I always appreciated that with this one. And they, again, they look amazing on the Game Boy Advance, especially playing on my stamp size Game Boy Micro. I was like, I can't believe graphics this can be on a Game Boy Advance. Turns out if you just, you know, anything that you make that small can generally look really impressive. Uh, but this game does look very good. And, and the bosses just, they really steal the show a lot of the well, the other thing you'll notice as you're going through is they've added new secret areas that weren't in the original game. If you're a hardcore original Metroid player and you, you start playing this, you'll be like, wait a minute, this, this secret wasn't here before. And there's even an area you can get back to see your ship, which is never in the original Metroid. Uh, you can see it like when you beat the game, but otherwise you'll, you'll won't see your ship again until the very end of the game. Uh, in this, you can circle back around and see the ship that you would have come in on. Uh, there, there are also three areas where you get special items that uh, it doesn't really say what they do. It just says they're unknown items that show up on your inventory screen. They cause like these blocks that previously were blocking your way to now be destroyable, which are like little puzzles, but nothing crazy. It was just to escape that same area. That stays the same until you go through the rest of the game as you would normally do. Find all the, the new items and stuff to get to where you beat Ridley and Kraid, and that gives you access to the final area where you finally run into Metroids themselves, the titular Metroid. Uh, and, and at the end of that, Mother Brain, who is the, the leader of the Space Pirates, and, and much like in the original Metroid game, it's kind of a gauntlet. That last fight is you run from pillar to pillar that you have to shoot your way through while there's guns all over the place firing at you. It's more of a shooter than the rest of the game is, like where you have to actually dodge a bunch of stuff. And then when you actually get to the last boss, it's just a brain in the jar. So as long as you destroy the jar and can shoot the brain a bunch of times, it dies and it starts a countdown to escape. You get out of the, you know, back to your ship, you escape within, I think it's two minutes. And, and it's a much easier escape, by the way. The original Metroid Escape, there's a lot of little platforms that you have to make your jumps to, and if you miss it, you could actually die. I died many times trying to escape the original Metroid just because I missed some platforms. This makes it much, much easier because you also have that ability where you can grab onto platforms, the power grip. But you get to the top, shows you a cinematic where you fly away, and then they've added a whole new section. Now, this was not in the original Metroid. This is kind of the part that ties into the Chozo a little more uh, that were in the Metroid Prime and the, and the rest of the Metroid series uh, after that. You end up on... Now, I thought this was a whole new planet because it shows, you know, that the space pirates are now chasing Samus after this fight and they shoot your plane, your, your ship down and it crashes on this planet. According to some online wikis that I found, you crash back on the planet Zebus, the planet from the original. I don't know if that's right, but the game calls the area you're in, whether it's the planet or the, the area of the planet that you're on, Chozodia. This is all new for Metroid Zero Mission. It's not in any other game. And the immediate thing you'll notice is because you've crashed your ship and you weren't, you know, prepped for combat, you were prepped to, to fly a ship, this is where the Samus Zero suit that you'll find in games like, uh, like Smash Brothers uh, is, is where this is from. This is Samus in essentially like a standard running suit <laughs> it's it's a it's a purpley blue suit it has none of the other stuff she carries a gun around and shoots that gun but she has none of the abilities that she'd normally have at all and all you're supposed to do in this part of the game really 
is avoid enemies, and it's so it's a nonstop. Like there's mm. scenes in Fusion that we talked about, which came out again two years before this, where you had to run and hide from the SAX version of you that would have like all the weapons you don't have yet. So there'd be small sections in that game where you'd have to run and hide, and you get to like certain compartments you can you can hide there, and you'd watch the SAX walk in and then walk out, and then you're back to the normal game. This is like a gauntlet of that. Except it's not the SAX. It's all these regular space pirates, but none of your weapons hurt them until you get your your final suit, which you find later on. And so the first, I mean, when I when I got to this part, first I had for, I had forgotten completely that it even existed. And then when it did, and I realized what was going on, I was like, oh, I, I must have blacked this out of the entire. I didn't remember this at all. Uh, no, no. I mean, if I, I mean, I'll just go play. I'll just I can go play Metal Gear. Um. But yeah, you talked about in the other game, you had little parts like that, but it, it, it did a good job of, you know, kind of ratcheting up the tension um, because it didn't overstay its welcome. Um, apparently, if done at length, it's no fun. It, it, it is no fun. And I and couple that with the fact that, you know, you, you take one of your, your few, very few, um, you know, kind of kind of iconic female video game heroes and you say hey kids guess what uh, you take his gimmick off of her and man eh, she's not really shit uh, even fucking tony stark would put up a fight when he was out of the suit uh, but no i mean you know all you can do is run and you're a fucking glorified gymnast um in a form-fitting suit and it's just oh god this could have been maybe like five minutes maybe i it doesn't have to be the next half of the game um this doesn't work it doesn't at all. Um, you know, I, I I think if I could go back, and, and I felt this way the first time, too. Like, it, this was not a, you know, now that I played through again. Like, no, no, this all came rushing back. Um, if, if I would have recalled at the time, because I completely forgot about this part until I hit it, um, I probably, you know, would have would have cut it off after I, after I made that escape. And I would be just heaping praise upon this game, but as as it stands now, um, that there we may be in the midst of a, a big group shitting upon right now. I, I just I this is what I'm afraid with Metroid Dread, because apparently the Metroid team has always had this hard on mm-hmm. with wanting you to play a stealth game <laughs> inside of a Metroid. Game. Well, I mean that's you know that's 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 why it's called Dread. You're you're well, supposed to be worried right now. Well, that's I am. I, I genuinely am because I didn't really enjoy it that much in Fusion. And then when it popped up in this one as its own little thing, uh, an entire section, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this isn't what I want to be doing in a Metroid game. It's I, I guess they I heard them like the Metroid team speak recently about what they're trying to do with Dread. And they were like, you know, for the longest time, we really wanted to have this uh yeah, I don't know, just very scary figure, something like Pyramid Head or whatever that chases you around the game that you're constantly uh, having to run from or fight or something like that. And I was like, did you did you just forget Saxy Samus in, in Fusion? Like, and 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 this part, you know, you're not really running from one thing, but they st- it's obvious they still wanted to ratchet up the tension of being like in this kind of like running for your life situation. And so, like, I'm, I'm just worried and dread if they're just going to be like, all right, here's this shit every fucking 20 minutes where you got to play a stealth mission to get past this weird, uh, you know, Bioshock 2 looking shit. I, I, I don't know. I never liked this section at all. This was the, Mm-mm. by far, the least 
enjoyable part of this entire game. I don't think they should have put it in here. I don't know what they were really trying to do by putting it in here because it doesn't add anything to the game. To me, even story-wise, it's kind of dead. So I'm just like, what? what is this? Other than just being like, oh, we need to put an extra section into the game to surprise people after they beat yeah. Mother Brain. But here's this. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's something no one really wanted. Yeah, it, yeah, it goes on way only, too long. And this is weird to put at the ta- the last half of the game too. Like this really, it's a really odd place to put it. It's like, hey, that was fun. You want to cool down? Like, do you want you want to spend the next hour really fucking cooling down? Um, yeah, I, I, I thought not only was it not enjoyable, but the placement. Um, I mean, maybe God, if you had to do this, kick it off like this and, and go out on a high note. But I, I, I thought it was just strange to, you know, to do it like that. Imagine you go to see an action film and, you know, the, the first hour of it is just all fucking guns a-blazing. And, and the last half hour, they all just sit down and kind of talk about how they felt about what, what went on during that most exciting half. And then the credits just roll it and you walk out. Uh, it, it, it's strange. Story-wise, it's supposed to explain why Samus has this suit that would be of alien origin that have abilities that she doesn't understand, right? Because up until now, it's just assumed it's a space marine suit or whatever, like it's an intergalactic bounty hunter suit. You know, it doesn't really matter. It didn't, it was a video game, who cared? But when they added all this stuff in later on where she's finding these powers unlockable and like that that these, these other ancient aliens left behind that all work with her suit or whatever. So instead in this, after you run through these long sections, and I, you're right, Billy, it's like a whole second half of the game, a far more frustrating half. It's very short if you know what you're supposed to do and you can time it right, but if you don't, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I spent, I played this on Twitch and I easily spent the, like it was two days to get through it and I think I spent the entire second day um, I mean, I, I started right at the, at the mother brain fight, finished it, and then I spent the rest of the day screaming at the <laughs> at the first yeah. part of this where you're trying to oh, not yeah. die. And oh, and so yeah. you get far enough through this and you avoid enough enemies. It, and the problem I had is it acts like it wants you to be stealthy, where it says, like, don't be seen. And there are, you know, if you can kill guys yeah. before they sound the alarm, great. Otherwise, they sound the alarm, and then there's constantly guys running at you. You have to be careful. But the alarm doesn't turn off until you're in certain spots. And there's, after, like, the first half of this where you're actually able to kind of be stealthy for a lot of it there's an unavoidable section where you have to be seen and then it's a gauntlet of trying to run from these guys make a bunch of jumps kind of know what to do and and the actual solution is to like shoot a bridge after you cross it which i would never even thought of doing because if you do it in a pro you know if you do it at the wrong time you'll fall to your death and it doesn't immediately let you die you have to actually keep running from guys that you can never get away from so you blow up the bridge that you need to get to, and then you kind of run through another little section, and then you get to the Chozo area of Chozodia. Like, the first part is on this mm-hmm. this crashed space pirate ship, and then the second part is these ancient temples of the Chozo people, is, is where I guess where you, you, you end up in. And there's a little boss fight there where you're kind of tested, and you, you fight this, it's like... One of those bosses, like in, uh, in in when we covered Batman, where like you have to fight all those crates. It's like that. You're fighting these four. They're like boxes that show up, but you're also fighting in these. You're running from these lasers. But anyway, you destroy these boxes or whatever, and all of a sudden, it's like you get your suit back. But now these things you found in the previous game that were listed as unknown items 
all of a sudden now start working with your suit. You get the plasma beam, which is the strongest gun you get that'll hurt the space marines, or I'm sorry, it'll hurt the space pirates um, along with the last boss. You get the space jump, which lets you basically fly. Uh, if you keep hitting the jump button, you'll keep flying up in the air. And the, the I'm sorry, space jump lets you jump super high. The gravity suit lets you kind of keep jumping up in the air. And, and all three of those unlock. And all of a sudden now you're back. You're back in this, like, butt-kicking Samus, and you get the ability, once you get this suit back, you're just flying through the rest of the area, just destroying these space pirates and stuff, and trying to get off of the ship, because now it's going to explode. And the only, like, on the way out, and I don't know what the logic is here, they have to have a last boss, right? You've gotten the Chozo boss, and now you could, I guess, shoot your way out and get to your ship and escape, and that would have been just fine. I would have been okay with that. But they have to have a last fight. So again, much like in Fusion, at the end of Fusion, you have to fight, like, the, the, the super SAX version of Ridley. In this game, there's Mecha Ridley that shows up, like this robot version of Ridley that's not explained in any way, shape, or form, except that it it's the leader of the Space Pirates, so now it's a robot version of the leader of the Space Pirates. Uh, I don't know why they keep putting Ridley in at the end of these games at that point, but they do again here, and, and again, it, it was fine, but I felt like it was one more unnecessary thing. This whole last section, from, from the end of what would have been the previous game of the original Metroid, where you just make the escape and fly away, I would have been fine with that. But instead, they added this stealth area. Then you kind of get your suit and you feel good about it. But then you have to find your way out and fight this unexplained version of Ridley that's another one of those bosses that it's not hard, but if you don't know what to do, you'll die over and over again, meaning you have to go back to the last save spot which was, you know, way, way back before you got the suit. So it's like, oh, it, I just felt like it was too long for what it was, and, and it wore out its welcome pretty quickly. Uh, but much like you kind of hinted at, if the game would have stopped that, or if you decide, you know what, I've played through Mother Brain, I'm good to stop. I think that Zero Mission is a, a huge improvement on the original game, especially if you didn't play it when it was new. If you want that map, if you want to shoot a bunch of areas... Uh, in a bunch of directions, I mean, at once, instead of just left, right, and up, and, and you want it to tell you kind of where to go, then this is a far superior version of the of the original Metroid, and I still don't understand why Nintendo has not made this available any other way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, but thankfully, you can play every Genesis game you've ever fucking played pretty soon, <laughs> yet again. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's... <laughs> oh, I... I Goddamn. I, I haven't had a game um takes such a hard turn my like my opinion takes such a hard turn that first half was probably one of the more um you know traditional metroid experiences i think you can have uh, it, it, it's everything i could have asked for um and i was loving it playing through and you know what uh it, it started to come back to me after the countdown and i realized you know we, we're play about an hour and a half, two hours, and, and Mother Brain's down. Um, you know, and then they give you the almost di- disturbing, gratuitous ass shot, um, you know, that most people probably remember this for. Um, so weird. There's way too much fucking focus on that. And, um, yeah, and then we kicked into this, and it's like playing a whole new game, and it is not a game that I would choose to play. <laughs> on my own accord like if this was a standalone type game um no no no, this this was bad for a metroid game it was bad for a you know kind of a a sneaking kind of semi-stealth game too 
Uh, it, it didn't. It didn't check any boxes for me in either category. Um, but God, it's it's it. It's hard to say. I, I guess if you're a Metroid fan, you kind of need to play this one because it it does dip into that backstory. And I got no problem. I, I I've always been kind of. I I don't think it's the most well fleshed out story in the world, kind of mythos in the world. But I I, I do find the the what story tidbits they give you in the metroid series to be interesting at least um if not a little convoluted um but i i, I guess you probably should give it a shot maybe i don't know I, if you're a fan of the series you you probably have played it and you know been on forums bitching about it um but i don't know it's 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 strange i i always applaud nintendo be, doing weird shit with their franchises and you know part i guess part of the problem with that is sometimes it doesn't work and i i just think this is an instance of it not working and unfortunately it kind of brings down an otherwise really really near perfect metroid game in the process i i just it's not needed they could have fleshed out that earlier part ended with mother brain and we would have been good to go this would have been a glowing mm-hmm. review but by adding, I will admit that the surprise was there because I really didn't read anything yeah, about yeah. this game. When that, when that second, when that hit, hit, that section hit, I was like, wow, you know, we're, we got something new here. They're, they're actually doing something new. And then it, that went to something like, oh, oh no. And, <laughs> and it just kind of went downhill <laughs> from there. But uh, yeah, this, it just wasn't necessary. They didn't need to put it in here. There was so much more little sections, secret areas, they could have uh, really kind of fleshed out the areas that are there early in the game because that first half, by the time, like you said, by the time you beat beat, uh, Mother Brain, it's like two and a half, three hours. And when I did originally, I was like, damn, this was fucking quick. You know, maybe this was, you know, just how it was if you actually knew what you were doing back then. But then you you get the second half of the game. That's the, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's a really great, version of the original metroid up to that point and even if you just shut it off right then i still think you get your money's worth uh maybe not yeah. paying like 300 dollars for it on the actual mm-hmm. game market but if you get it for like 10 bucks on the virtual console or if they ever do re-release it somehow i think it's well worth that up to that point if you really want to test your your metroid patience uh then you have to go go ahead and and keep playing and uh, enjoy that whole section but yeah, for me, amazing. I love it up until that point, and then I can just either take it or leave it. Yeah, it's worth doing once, and then never, never again. So that's our thoughts on Metroid Zero Mission for the Game Boy Advanced, or again, the Wii U Virtual Console. Uh, At least the first half to two-thirds of the game, we highly recommend. And the last little bit, uh, it's interesting, and it's fine if you love Metroid. You you definitely want to give it a shot, but it's probably not something you're going to wish you played uh, over and over again like that first two-thirds. But much like at the end of every show, 
we like to answer questions from you, our listeners. Now, how do you send us a question? Well, I mean, you could write us a letter. I don't know how you get our address, but you could. You could go to our social media and ask it there, and it might be seen. But the easiest way, if you go to Retrovania.net, there's links to all of our social media and, and this podcast and our YouTube channel. But then towards the bottom, there's a question form. Now, this form seems very simple, but all you do is you type in your information, you hit send, it goes right to us, and we'll answer it on the show like we're going to do right now. We will. We will do that right now. And I'm going to warn everybody mm-hmm. uh, at the outset that I have not actually read any of these questions yet. Oh, my so God. We're going in blind this week. Uh, I, I apologize. I usually do that right before the show. But today I had a catastrophic back failure uh, to the point where I completely threw my back out. And really about all I could do is uh, just paste these to the notes from from what hey. I was doing. I mean, you guys are listening to a podcast with fucking three old men in it. This this kind of thing is going to happen. Yes, I literally picked up something off the floor that wasn't even heavy and immediately threw out the entire right side of my back somehow. So I'm still re- <laughs> still recovering from that uh, by drinking a lot of alcohol. But mm-hmm. we're also going to read some questions here, and I'm sure that is going to make my back feel better because I know, I know in my heart of hearts that... These questions are all really great. And up first is the Black Bass. Ooh. Now, I don't think this is actually oh. Billy, but, you know, he has been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV fishing, so it's yeah, it's possible. And he's writing in to ask about maturing tastes. Greetings and salutations, gentlemen. I was wondering if you had all found your gaming tastes evolve over time, maybe finding newfound comfort in slower-paced, less stressful games. I know I, for one, have become more invested in puzzle games as I've gotten older. I've really learned to enjoy relaxing with an adult beverage or two whilst playing something like a Picross game. I haven't necessarily lost my love for action games, but just have expanded my interests and, as a result, play more puzzle and strategy games and less frantic action shooter type games. Have you guys found this to be the case for yourselves as well as you've gotten older? Thank you for all the great content. I, you know... Yes and no, but I don't know what to attest it to. I don't know whether it's um, something with me due to age or just kind of kind of burnout or just having played enough of it. Because um, I, 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 you know, I was a big FPS guy. I, I used to be. You know, I, my exploits of trying even the shittiest of the shitty first-person shooters are are well known. Um, but it's just something I can't pick up now, really. Um. I, I just I don't have any interest, and I don't know if that's just because I have reached almost a, a near permanent stage of burnout with it. You know, aside from I, I'm kind of back in Destiny Two a little bit, and I will every few years try out the Call of Duty that's out. Um, otherwise, it's really a, a, a genre of games I just not really into now. Uh, but at the same time, I have kind of warmed up a lot more. To, uh, to RPGs, which were something I used to try to play. And, you know, I, I would always, I have a, a handful of them that I have started and stopped, started and stopped, started and stopped. Uh, but I've, I've actually picked those up since then, over the last few years, actually, and, and played many of them through um, to the end. So I, I, I think I've gotten more of a kind of an appreciation for RPGs. Um, you know, I, and I don't know if that's because of the slower pace, maybe. Um, you know, I, I, I find it very relaxing just kind of getting on there and not even maybe finishing a quest, maybe just getting on there, 
you know, I got 20 minutes before I'm, I'm going to bed or something like that. And just, just kind of grinding it out. Um, but no, I, I guess maybe some of that's attributed to maturing taste. Um, some of that's attributed to just, you know, kind of getting tired of something I'd played a ton of before. But no, I mean, on the whole, I still play games from most of the other genres uh, that, that I always have, with, with those couple of exceptions there. I think before we started doing this podcast, uh, I probably did kind of streamline down what I was into. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it was a matter of, of uh, tastes maturing, but just time constraints. I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to play a lot more, you know, uh, strategy games, or I'm not going to play a lot of, of longer RPGs because I don't have time. Uh, but now I'm fitting those things yeah. in along with the other games we're playing, so I'm still kind of staying current on action games. And and but but instead, I end up finding myself uh, outside of what we do on the podcast. I kind of go through phases where I'll really want to play RPGs, and then I'll play a couple of them, and I'm like, all right, I'm done with RPGs for now. I'm going to go back to shmups, and then I'll play a bunch of shmups for a while. I'm like, okay, now I want to play. You know, if there's a new Souls kind of game, I'm like, oh, I'm going to play that. Like, I really like those games. The only things I don't really play anymore. Uh, FPSs I don't play a lot of, but I never really did. I mean, I played, you know, Doom and Quake and those when they were new. But other than that, I'm not good at them. I don't have patience for it. Um, but also, uh, real-time strategy games. I think if I never play one again, that would be fine with me. I do not like them. I, I always like them when they first come out. But once everyone realizes, like, it's just a race to build these things in this order, and that's what it becomes after that, like a time race, I don't enjoy that at all. So that I really, I, I think I just cut things out more than others. Um I, I play some puzzle games, but not nearly enough. Um, I end up playing a lot of like the Tetris 99. I don't think it's a matter of uh, of playing games that are less stressful. I, in fact, I probably play games that are more stressful because I, I want to see how far I can get through them and how much I'll take before I quit. But uh, but I definitely do enjoy kind of finding a more relaxing game like an Animal Crossing and just uh, you know like when, when that first came mm -hmm. out, I think I spent a good number of nights just with a couple couple beers at night just fishing because why not? You get all the fish, keep going from there. Uh, you know, now I'm, I'm just waiting for new content on that. But but otherwise, no, nah, I don't know if my tastes have matured. If anything, I've probably gone backwards in the last five years. Uh, that's actually a really good question. I, I think it definitely changes over time for for most people. If you've been playing games for as long as as we have, I mean, I, as a kid, God, even up to like maybe ten years ago, I would play just about any game out there. You know, just to really try it, see what I was missing. You know, if people were like, "Hey, you know, mm. this isn't." neat new type of game you know i would really run to it and and just try it out and anymore i i seem to gravitate towards like shitty live service games for some reason and i don't know why i you know i sit there and played half a year of destiny 2 last year and um you know now i've moved on to final fantasy 14 played that for half a year and i'm kind of getting back into destiny 2 i don't know why i gravitate towards these games because they're not anything like i used to play I used to play fighting games and platformers all the time. That was the thing that I loved. And I still love platformers, but goddamn, I barely play any fucking fighting games at all now. And I could maybe attribute that to not having anyone to play them with, but still, I just, I don't have that. You ran us all off. Yeah, I know. Damn I know. you. I know what happened. Your cheap-ass uh... <laughs> Vega has scared <laughs> everyone away. <laughs> I, I'll never live that night down. But... It's it's just one of those things. I even like the new fighting games that come out. I'll usually buy them, but I won't actually play them a lot. You know, I'll just play them and be like, yeah, this is a fighting game. I used to really yeah. like this shit. But I just I really don't play them or, or try to master them like I used to. You know, even stuff that I like Call of Duties I used to really get into and play those a lot. I don't really do that too much anymore. 
Hell, you could probably go mm-hmm. back to the beginning of this podcast and listen to the some of the shit that we played back then and go like listen to new stuff now and it would be completely different stuff. Just completely different. We would be all over the place compared to what we are now, which is the uh Final Fantasy 14 and uh uh, whatever other live service game moment that we're having <laughs> at the beginning of the game. Thank God Psychonauts yeah. 2 came out yeah. because I can actually talk about that. But yeah, I think that that is definitely a thing. It's uh you're you mature as you grow up. You know, there's that weird thing that people say is like every 10 years you've shed so many actual cells and, and things like that that you're basically a, a different person at that point. And the only thing that's left were the things in your head that were very important at that time. So that's why as you get older, instead of doing more things, you narrow them down to the single, single things here and there. And, you know, that's just how it happens. But I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly makes sense anyway, because I I certainly seem to be narrowing my field of Mm -hmm. games down to a a very select amount of things at this point. Stick around with us for another 10 years in which we'll we'll just talk about how we all just play fucking Spider Solitaire all the time. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah, it, it may end up being like that. Uh, but yes, thank you, the Black, Bla- the, the Black Bass, not just any Black Bass that's out there in the lake. It is Mm-mm. the Black Bass mm-hmm. uh, for writing in. Anyway, our next question comes in from Dixon Cider. It's like a pretty cool name. I like the name. Shut up, Billy. (laughs) And he's writing in about that damn theme song. Hey, guys. So I've been listening to your your show almost nonstop for the better part of the last three months. I've been on the road. I've been on the road for work, and it has made my commutes, work days, shit show of a life. Fly-wee. All right. Let me explain what just happened. Dixon, you have fallen victim to the... (sighs) the bug that happens sometimes when somebody writes in to the show. And for some reason it will just cut people off and it will say it will just, that will happen. What just happened. So please feel free to write back in the rest of your question. Oh no. It literally got cut off. A a cliffhanger. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, you know, say what I think Dixon wanted to say. So, um, (laughs) We're going to go with, uh, hey dudes, Cowabunga. Thank you for your show. It's really great. It's my favorite show in the world. You guys are my heroes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that sounds like what he started saying. I like that. I think so. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not biased. I think you guys are, are really great, and I really like your theme song. Is that something that you guys did? Who does it? What is it? Uh, if I'm forgetting anything, feel free for Jeremy P to just uh, expound on that. Uh, thanks for all the amazing, awesome, completely. Can we? What, what would what would Dixon say here? Godly content. Yep, that sounds about right. Uh, that you provide. There's, yeah. There's there's a thing at the end too. Um, there's a P.S. Uh, yeah. He, he says he really, he really wants us to do that episode on Slam City with Scottie Pippen for the oh. Sega CD. I just now saw that. It's amazing that you saw. Yeah. You've never even seen this before. So yeah, it's there. Um, no. But yeah, uh, we—that's something that Dixon has just now requested. So uh, let's let's talk about that theme song. That damn theme song. Let's uh, that damn theme. Based song. on that damn theme song, uh, either he was 
Mr. Cider was either saying that uh, it's such a good theme song that he can't get out of his head, he's very upset about it, or that he doesn't care for it. Uh, so I'm going to assume it's the first one, that he likes it so much that he had to ask who it is. Uh, that is uh, my band, Subtastics, uh, not mine, but a band that I'm in, uh, and, and that is a song called 8 Bitter. It's on our second EP, uh, and it, it's all about how I've wasted my life playing video games, which fit a lot for this podcast. And I kind of like it because almost every other retro gaming podcast has like a chiptune theme, and that's fine. Nothing's wrong with that. But uh, this makes us kind of stand out a little bit, and, uh, and again, that song is 100% original, so it's not going to get pulled down. Uh, or get us a, a DMCA warning, because it's mine. So <laughs> so that's it. If you don't like the song, I would say I apologize, but I'm not really ashamed of the song, so I guess I'm sorry that you don't care for it. Yeah, and if that is not actually what you were wanting to know, uh, please uh, feel free to write back in. We will correct this on the next episode. Again, I don't know why the contact form does this. Other people that write in, I've, I've seen this happen, uh, but... For some reason, they actually figured it out and wrote it back, wrote back in immediately, so I could just ignore that one. But yes, uh, if you're, uh, hopefully that answers your question to some extent. If you've got specifics, write in again. We'll read it next episode. Uh, but anyway, thanks, Dixon, for writing in and, and having our contact form just completely cut you. Next question comes in from Celeste. We know her. And uh, she's wanting to know about avoiding burnout. Hello, guys. I cannot remember whether this has been asked before, but I would like to know how you all avoid burnout with the podcast and even video game. Creative pursuits can be draining at times, and you have all and you all have and you all have other obligations outside this passion project. I know life can be challenging for everyone at some point. How do you handle juggling the Retrovaniacs podcast without it feeling overwhelming? Thanks for providing such fun reviews and my favorite part, the listener mail. Uh, always good to hear from Celeste on here. Always happy to hear her name come up because I know that, you know, at least someone in listener mail is going to be nice to us, um, you know, for, for the episode. Uh, it's, I, I personally don't think it's as difficult as it seems. It seems a lot more daunting, but I, I think the good thing about reviewing retro games is that a lot of them are short. I, I mean, a lot of them are so short. I mean, what was this one tonight? I mean, if you knew what you were doing on this game, which, you know, I, I, I can't say I did. It had been a while. Um, but still, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's five, six hour affair. Yeah. Um, a lot of games, a lot of games. I mean, we're talking about games you can play. Uh, you get an old NES game that you can play in 30 minutes. You know, uh, I, we usually have, I mean, there's enough time to play three of these games a few times over. Um, and, and I think we try to be a little strategic with that. Um, you know, kind of, we'll, we'll plan ahead if it's going to be kind of a, a longer game. So there's a little more time. Um, I, I think we try to be pretty mindful of that. We, we don't want to, you know, oh, here's a game you need, yeah, need about 30 hours, get through this one. Let's, you know, let's do this in a couple days. Um, I, I, I think we're pretty smart the way, way we arrange things. And I, plus I, we just fucking love Playing damn video games. If anything else, this has really helped me from from burning out playing games. Because you know, I, I it, it's a nice kind of a nice thing. I'll play something, you know, that on my own time. And you know, if I get frustrated with it or tired with it, you know, just as a change of pace, I'll you know, I'll plop on whatever whatever game we're reviewing and and do that. Just you know, kind of for a break, and and vice versa. And you know, it's it's 
you know, I, I just I take my regular video game playing time that I would I would have over the you know course of a day. It's not always daily. Sometimes you know it's over the course of a week, uh, and just divvy it up accordingly. And, and you know, it, it helps that some most of the games we play on here are pretty decent or at least interesting. Um, you know, some are are you know you get into your gym fires and your general chaoses where it's a, a it's abysmal. Um, but no, uh, it's I think it's fun. It, it's kept me on my toes. If anything, it's kind of reinvigorated uh, kind of my love for, for video games. But by the time we kicked this podcast off, I was, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I wouldn't put much time in and whatnot. But, uh, you know, now it's it's something enjoyable. Yeah, I'd say that it's kind of the same for me. I, I like that we have to kind of swap games every week, basically, for this podcast. Yeah. We don't pick any that are too long. We tried that with uh, with Fantasy's, uh, Fantasy Star, and it was just too long, and it's kind of a, a drag. <laughs> I still want to do more of those at some point, but we have to, like, give ourselves a lot of time or, or pick games we're all very familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing is we're playing a lot of games that, you know, generally one of us at least has some experience with it so we're not coming at it completely fresh at least one of us has kind of a way to say yeah i I know enough about this um also because i'm playing this for the podcast and and same with twitch games i kind of push myself through where i might get bored or frustrated with a game to to get to the end because i want to talk about it with some knowledge i don't want to just say oh i played the first hour Mm -hmm. and i got bored and that's the end uh, you know, I, I normally try to play a lot of these. Uh, in in real life, do I get burned out? Yeah, pretty frequently. I'll decide that I'm, you know, uh, I don't want to play any more of this game because most new games are super long. You know, you don't realize how long these things are till you start playing these old games. When you get through them in three hours, you're like, wait a minute, that was a complete mm-hmm. experience in three hours. And yet, you know, a game that's basically doing the same thing, uh, and, you know, I'm playing now and it's, you know, like Psychonauts 2, we talked about it. It's a really good game, not complaining at all, but that's a longer game than than anything we've covered on this podcast aside from the original psychonauts like it's it's it expects you to put in 10 15 hours just to kind of see everything without collecting everything and really scraping through it where this game two hours you know if you know what you're doing less than that it's pretty it's kind of nice and refreshing to have uh games that are are short but very challenging as opposed to being longer and and the challenge is more just plowing through it as opposed to like this uh, a lot of these, you know, they expect you to have a certain number of lives or you can't get through it or, you know, a certain number continues. While I don't want every game to do that, it's kind of a nice back and forth to go to that. And I think that's one reason why we don't do a lot of RPGs. There's, there's a lot of people that actually request RPGs for but it's, you know, that's a lot, of, it's a lot of time for some of these. You know, we don't really have that much time to really devote a single game doing two podcasts what every week now basically yeah so it's it's not easy you know especially when the alarm hits at 3 a.m and jeremy's like calling all of us and yelling at us uh reminding us which games we're playing uh that we need to get up right now and go down to the retro vinyx mines (laughs) and really you know Mm -hmm. it can get kind of you got to really just work it in a way that it makes sense so we do our best, but yeah, it, it can be easy to burn out on some things, but overall it's, you know, if you like playing games and you like doing this, well, then you, you it's not that hard, I guess. If you put too much on your plate, then that's where it really starts to, to burn you out. You got to keep things yeah. level. You know, it's it's one of those things where I've seen it over and over. We have all seen it over and over where people will start out with something like this and they will keep adding things, right. keep adding things. Mm-hmm. And that is not the way to go about it. You have to keep, you got to keep 
a, a, a singular fucking vision on what you're doing and what you what yeah. you want to offer to people, and that's what you have to do. You have to keep with that, and you don't need to add all this other stuff. If you just focus on what you know and keep it simple, it's pretty easy to do this. So, I mean, besides uh, Jeremy keeps, you know, again, waking us up at 3 a.m. every time a new Patreon uh, joins <laughs> and, you know, he keeps threatening that third show where we just talk about king-size candy bars for an hour and a half every That's other gonna week. It's going to be a good one. Though. It's going to be fun. So uh, that will probably end up happening. But, you know, still, I think we all like king-size candy bars, so <laughs> ain't no problems. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, thank you, Celeste, for, uh, for writing in. Uh, it's uh, always always nice to hear. Thank you for liking, uh, or this this. Thank you for enjoying this part of the show, your favorite part of the show. Uh, we try, I try our my best to uh, to keep this as high quality as. And anyway, our final question. I think this is our final question. I didn't read any of these. Comes yes, it is our final question. Comes in from Harpo Marks, possibly Kenny Omega, and he wants to write in about family and gaming. The cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, great show. I have a question I think only you can answer. It would be us. You see, I have a cousin whom until very recently I basically hated. She was always making fun of me and my friends and generally making my life terrible. Then one day I was home playing Final Fantasy Remake when my uncle came by and had her in tow. She came into my room and it was the same at first, making fun of me, calling me names, etc. But slowly she got into the game. Before you knew it, we were having fun. Turns out she's a longtime Final Fantasy fan, and we have a lot more in common than we thought. Anyway, long story short, we're in love, and she's pregnant. Oh boy. I don't know how to break it to our folks. <laughs> I worry the child may have defects, and we may just get disowned by my family. So my question is, what's your favorite Final Fantasy? I'm glad that was the question. I'm going to be honest, I'm very, <laughs> very glad this question. Uh, my favorite yeah. Final Fantasy yeah. is 12. I know that I've said this in the past. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> like the others. I love wow. 12. I love it. Still on still on your bullshit. It's the best. Oh, it's the man. best Final Fantasy. It plays like an MMO, but uh, but an MMO where the other players that you are grouped with are people that you actually have given, like, you have to write a script for them for what to do. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I love 12. I think the story of 12 is pretty terrible, but it doesn't matter because 12 is about doing hunts. And, and fighting big monsters uh, to get uh, to, as like a bounty hunter. And then there's a story in the background you have to follow to get to more hunts. I, I love 12. I, I've mm -hmm. played it several times. I'm playing through it again now, and it's wonderful. That's, that's wild. I, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, a se seven's almost too, too easy, I guess. I, I, I'm really big on six. Like, I, I really enjoyed... Um, Final Fantasy VI, I, I like the characters a little bit better. I, I enjoyed the the villain um, quite a bit more, and I don't and I have a soft spot for it too. Um, for six, seven, I probably played the most. Uh, I don't know if that just makes me fucking, you know, kind of a basic Final Fantasy fan, but so be it. Uh, I mean, I told you, I just said a couple questions ago. I only warmed up to RPGs recently, um, so I, you know, seven, I got caught up in the hype. Right, because I mean, they were putting out. I don't. You remember the ads for this on TV? That that almost like movie trailers. You know, Seven uh, was when, huge. When this thing... Seven was massive. Yeah. It was advertised everywhere. It was and, one of those uh, games. You know, when I worked at the game store, uh, people who came in for Seven that would never they they bought nothing but Madden and like 
you know, a few shooters, and all of a sudden they were all like big Final Fantasy VII fans. They bought guides, they bought the game, and they came to me and talked about it as if I had made Final Fantasy VII because they figured I was a nerdy guy I could talk about it, and they could have. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was a huge yeah. game for a lot of folks. I, I don't, I don't hate on it. Yeah. It's just no twelve. Yeah, and I, you know, I can't, I can't even speak to it really. Um, six and seven, I have played them. Are the only ones that I have sat down and replayed more than once. Um, I, you know, of course I played 15. I wouldn't dare put that in there with the, with the best. I, I, it was a fun game, hell of a fishing game. Um, you know, and you fought a little bit here and there too. Um, but I don't know. I, the later titles after seven, I played a little bit. I haven't played, um, besides I went back and played the, the two originals, which were fine. Six and seven and 15 and i haven't played any other final fantasy to completion um i i always were was thinking hey i might want to pick it up and get started and that's just what i do and then i would immediately leave it so strewn about all my different systems both on on disc for the older ones digital on on a couple of consoles there are probably every there there's probably every final fantasy game um, just waiting for me, waiting, waiting for the right day for me to hunker down and play them. I, I, I just, I, I don't think I'm a very educated opinion when it comes to Final Fantasy. I'm, I'm edging right between six and seven, and uh, I mean, you know, and good luck with everything. Um, you know, we, we don't judge on here. Uh, you know, you talk about Jeremy mentioning twelve. I'm just happy you didn't say eight. Because it's been a recurring issue. No, no. Eight's still my least favorite, but probably what I put the most hours into. God, I hate eight so much. Uh, I would probably say... When, when, uh, when are you beginning it again? Uh, probably by December, to be honest. But I still hate it. <laughs> I, I, I'm like Billy. At six, six and seven are, are the best for me. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed nine for, for what it is. I know that's that's fan favorite thing to say these days. I... But for me, I you know, six was is that was the first Final Fantasy game that really made sense to me that I that hit with me, and seven was just it blew me away as far as far as like what an RPG, and uh, anything after that was just you know I I didn't really care for eight nine was fine, ten was pretty cool, um, and eleven obviously take it or leave it if you're into the online stuff, twelve I think is neat but it uh, probably more like an MMO than, than an actual RPG. Uh, 13, God, I don't even... Uh, I played a little bit of 13 just long enough to figure that I should, probably shouldn't play that one. Never played any of the other ones. Um, 10, too, I actually really enjoyed. I forgot to mention that one. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, the rest, you know, 14, I've just spent several months playing through. I think it has some of the highest highs and lowest lows of any Final Fantasy out there. Mm. But overall, I think it's a, a hell of a story to play through. Uh, one of the most... Uh, God, I don't, e- I don't even know really how to describe it. It's, it's a damn good story in part, uh, for the most part. It's, it's a really fun uh, game to play through just because it is, there is so much story and it doesn't ever seem to end. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, go for it. I think it is it is one of the one of the best Final Fantasy that you could probably play if you can just deal with it. But yeah, uh, that's that's probably I I would probably go with six and seven overall. But anyway, that's gonna do it for all the questions this time. 
Thanks, guys, for writing in. I apologize for Dixon again for our uh, contact form eating his question. If you would like to go to our contact form and have your question possibly eaten, then uh, feel free to go to retrovania.net. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. There's a contact form. It will look at look at you menacingly, and uh, you may uh, may actually get your question over to us, or it may just eat it way through and put a bunch of gibberish gibberish at the end uh, for me to read. So, you yeah, know, I mean, I hope that I I hope that fella writes in again. Um, yeah, I, I, I we we we'd really we'd love to see Dixon Cider again. We really <laughs> yeah. would. Uh, I would I, anytime. I want to know anytime. Yeah, I feel like we did a good job of representing the rest of his question. But if he's got something else he wants to say, feel free to write in. But that's going to be hope, it, yeah, yeah, I hope that, you know, we think the path he's going down. But I hope he's going to take us off road. And, and you never know. a wild, a wild question we, we never could have guessed. He may have impregnated his cousin. It's to that song, you know, and Jeremy would have something <laughs> <laughs> new, I mean, new that's... to brag about. That's about that. That would be a new one. That would be a new one if that was a, a baby making song about being good at uh, at beating Mike Tyson. But uh, this will be our last episode before we start our Halloween ever seventh seventh oh. Halloween, I think. Uh, so all the God next damn it. I, next we, two shows are horror based games I'm for still Halloween. Not free yet. And actually, our patron feed is going to start having in October three bonus shows, not just two, because we've hit our 50 uh, prerequisite patron numbers. So uh, for October, we're going to have three bonus episodes uh, where the third will always be kind of something, you know, like our fishing episode we did, or uh, we've done some movie reviews in the past of video game related movies. I think that's what we're going to do in October. Uh, but if you're interested at all in more Retrovaniacs, the best way to get it is to join our Patreon, which you can always find in the notes for this episode or at Retrovania.net, where you can also write us questions. And we will see you next time with some horror games. All right, back to the Retro Maniacs. Man. Yeah.